All right, so here we are. Um, we are coming to the end of our series called The Story. If you are um, just joining us, we have been on a, a 31-week journey through the Bible, starting back in Genesis and going through, and, and we are on chapter 30 now. So we've got this week and one more week, and we are done with the story. It uh, seemed to go on for a while. We got there into the, some of the Old Testament and got into some of the, the rut of the prophets and, and the same message over and over and over where the Israelites are faithful, then they're not faithful. They're faithful, and then they're not faithful. They're faithful, and then they're not faithful. And we get through this cycle, and then we get to Jesus. Praise God for Jesus, right? We get to Jesus and uh, we have just flown through the New Testament. Uh, there is a lot that we are having to skip over, things that we are just quickly summarizing. Uh, we spent a lot of time in the Gospel of Mark um, in previous seasons, and we've spent a lot of time on the Sermon on the Mount, so we have kind of rushed through a little bit of, of the New Testament here. But we are in uh, chapter 30. Uh, next week we will be in our final chapter, chapter 31, and Patrick will be preaching for us next week, and we will do all of Revelation in one chapter. And so we will, and I, I left that for him. And so he was very appreciative of that. Thank you for giving me all of Revelation in one week. So he will be here next week. Our family will be traveling for some family vacation for Laura's birthday, and so we are going to spend some time away. Um, but uh, Patrick will be here with you for next week. Um, and then the following week is May 10th, and that is Mother's Day. For those of you men who have forgotten, it will be Mother's Day, so make sure to mark your calendar if you haven't. Uh, call your mom, please send a card. Um, but we're going to do a special service here. We're going to um, have a special message dedicated to mothers, and so you'll definitely want to bring your mothers along if, if you can. Um, but we will we'll spend some time honoring and celebrating the work of our mothers on May 10th. Well, we um, are in chapter 30, which gives us the tail end of the book of Acts. It gives Paul's final days, his final journeys, and, and his final work. And it has a few excerpts from some of the letters that he wrote while in prison. And so there is, it is a pretty sizable chapter, and we have, have to rush through quite a bit of it. Last week's chapter was uh, really all of his missionary journeys, and we just focused in on that first missionary journey. And we focused in on Paul being one who had exceptional commitment and incredible joy, even in the midst of, of the trials that he was going through, even in what he was called to do, the roadblocks, the, the turns in the road, he had incredible commitment, right? To be, to be beaten and stoned and left for dead, and then to get up and go back into the city and face the people who had tried to execute him. He had such great commitments. Our stories would have ended very differently, right? But Paul's story ended with such commitment and such joy. And so this week we're going to focus on the long trip that Paul takes from Rome, not as a missionary, but as a prisoner. That he is, he is arrested and he is taken to Rome for trial. There was a, a woman whose husband had been slipping in and out of a coma for several months, yet she stayed by his side all the time. She, she stayed there with him, and, and finally one day he kind of came to enough to, to motion for her to, to come closer. And so she comes in closer to hear these words under, under difficult breathing as he, as he talks. And he says with, with eyes full of tears, 
You have been with me all through the bad times when I got fired. You were there to support me when my business failed. You were there when I got shot. You were by my side. When we lost the house, you were right there through it all. When my health started failing, you still were by my side. You know what, honey? And she comes in close to hear what he has to say, ready for this heart-filled message. He says, you, dear, are bad luck. (laughs) And so we get into this story of Paul in his final days. And if you read through it, there is this narrator who is telling the story. And as we, we, we referenced before, Luke is the one that's writing it. And Luke is telling the story, we and our Luke is right there along with Paul. Luke is going through all of this with him. And I think Luke might feel a little bit like this wife. Honey, you are bad luck. To be with Paul, I don't know that he's the ministry partner that I would like to be with, right? Because where Paul goes, there is trouble. And here is Luke going through this, going through this trouble. They head back to Jerusalem after these difficult missionary journeys. And and Paul knows what's waiting for him in Jerusalem. He heads back to Jerusalem and he he says this, And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardship are facing me. How's that for a homecoming, right? I'm going to go back to Jerusalem, and I know that if I go, prison and hardship are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task that the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. We saw last week Paul's commitments that he, regardless of facing hardship, regardless of facing certain imprisonment and and beating to go with it he stays on focus the task of testifying to the good news of god's grace and this really sets the the tone for the remainder of acts as he faces hardships it doesn't really matter what matters is the mission of jesus that is what matters more than anything to testify to the good news of god's grace And so once in Jerusalem, the Jews start to stir up trouble. In Acts chapter 21, verse 27, some Jews from the province of Asia saw Paul at the temple. So they see him in the temple. They stirred up the whole crowd and seized him, shouting, fellow Israelites, help us. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people and our own law in this place. And besides, we have brought Greeks into the temple He has brought Greeks into the temple and defiled this holy place. And so the accusations start to fly. The defenses go back and forth. Paul gets up and and addresses the people and defends himself. And after being struck in the mouth under the order of the religious leaders, Paul calls them out for what they really are. He says, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall. You sit there to judge me according to the law, yet you yourself violate the law by commanding that I be struck. These are powerful words from from Paul saying, you whitewashed wall. That must be quite the insult, right? Somebody calls me a whitewashed wall. I'm not sure what they mean. But he goes on to describe what that means. You hypocrites. 
You judge me by the law, but you don't apply the same law to yourself. And, and how many times are we whitewashed walls? How many times do we point the finger in judgment on somebody else and don't use that same rule, that same judgment to apply to ourselves? We're quick to point out the faults of others. We're quick to point out the sins of others and we forget that we have to place that same judgment on ourselves. The Roman commander is unsure what to do with this. He's got the religious leaders against Paul, and they're battling back and forth, and things are escalating, and, and, the, and, the, and the religious leaders want Paul executed. They are done with this guy. And the, and the commander is there. He's like, if, if I pick one side or the other side, it's going to cause problems, right? There's going to be an uproar among the people. And so he decides it's time to get Paul out of town, both for Paul's own safety, but I think mostly because he just doesn't want to have to deal with the problem himself. And so he sends Paul away, and he escalates it up the chain of commands. And so these religious leaders convince the, the, the Roman leaders that, that Paul is a troublemaker, and he needs to be executed, but they know if they execute him, it's not going to go over well, but if they don't execute him, it's not going to go over well. And so the Romans are stuck in this spot of what to do with Paul and so Paul is stuck in limbo here. He's a Roman citizen, so he has certain rights. He has to go through due process. He has to, to go through the judicial, judicial system. And they don't find any wrongdoing of, that he's done worth execution, but the demands of the religious leaders call for this execution. And so Paul is left in limbo, and he spends two years under Roman guard. He's not convicted, but he's in prison waiting for something to happen, waiting for some Roman to figure out what to do with him. And he becomes such a focal point and such a, a place of controversy that his case rises up all the way through the chain of command. And finally, they decide that he will have to go to Rome and stand before Caesar. And so the book of Acts concludes with the story of Paul being imprisoned, and he's taken to Rome on a series of ships. The details of this are in Acts chapter 27 and 28, as the book concludes. It's on page 447 of the story. The situation that Paul finds himself in is serious. There is a problem here. There is so much to be afraid of. But there is also this incredible opportunity as well. Here he is, headed to Rome, headed to face Caesar. This is a scary proposition, but what an incredible opportunity as well. Because Paul is going to be able to share the news of Jesus, the story of Jesus, with Caesar himself. And so they set out to sea on their way to Rome. There are 276 on board this ship, mostly prisoners, and the ship sails from port to port into the wind and, and along the coastlines of the Mediterranean Sea north to Rome. And so we see here this, this journey that they're on. It's not an easy trip, but it was only supposed to take a few days. It shouldn't be that long. But instead, it took them more than three months to get from one spot to the next. And so let's put that into perspective a little bit. Paul is passionate about spreading the news, right? He wants everybody to know about Jesus, and he needs freedom to be able to do that, right? He's gone on these missionary journeys, traveling from place to place, sharing the good news of Jesus. 
He wants to be out in as many places as possible. But for the last two years, he's put into prison. And so he's confined, unable to do what he's passionate about doing. He finally gets news that he's out of prison and gets to move on. And he gets sent to Rome to stand before Caesar. But they're in a ship that is caught in a two-week storm of hurricane forces. A hurricane for two weeks straight. And so we get out of prison and get on a boat, and now we're in a hurricane. And so things are not going well for Paul. It gets worse, though. The ship wrecks. The ship does not survive the storm. They're, they're having to tie the ship together just to survive, and it finally runs aground. And they're stranded on this island. And it's an island where the sun is not shining, and it's rainy, and it's cold. And so they're collecting firewood and trying to build a fire. And, and Paul's doing the good thing of collecting the firewood. And a viper comes out and attaches himself to Paul. And so here's this viper that has now bit Paul. And he shakes it off. And the people are in a panic because Paul is going to drop dead. But he doesn't. And he just continues doing what he's doing. He lives. And they stay on that island for three months Three months stuck on this island before they finally get to Rome. But once in Rome, things don't get much better because Caesar doesn't just have an open appointment book for whoever wants to see him. And so he is stuck in house arrest and stuck in this place for two more years. And that is how the book of Acts ends. We don't ever get to see what happens when he stands before Caesar. We get to see the end result of what happens with Christianity, but we don't know the end of this specific story. What happened along the way, uh, what, what, but what happened along the way to Rome and how Paul responds to that, how he responds to the circumstances that he's in, this brings us some pretty important application. What does this mean for us? How, how, what are the lessons that we can learn from this? The first thing we see in the story of Paul here is it's not about me, it's about the mission of God. It's not about me. It was never about Paul. It was never about his wants or desires. It was never about what he needed or wanted. It was always about the mission of God. He wanted to testify to the good news of Jesus. Everything was focused on that. We live in a culture that is surrounded with messages that say what? It's all about me. Our marketing, if you want to sell me something, you convince me of how something is going to be good for me. It happens in our marketing, it happens in our politics, in our pop culture. It all says it's all about me. It's all about my pleasure and comfort and convenience, my image. There's researchers who say that people by the age of 18, by the time you turn 18, you're going to be exposed to two million advertising messages. Two million advertising messages. And what do those advertising messages say? It's all about you. And so no wonder we, get, we, we struggle with our identity and struggle with, with what our life is supposed to be about because everything around us, these messages coming from all directions, messages that we aren't even aware of anymore that are coming in and feeding us, telling us that it's supposed to be focused on ourselves. We get into that so easily. When we encounter the twists and the turns and the detours of life, we get frustrated because we become so self-absorbed about things not working for us. 
and how things should be going for us. We talked last week about Paul's circumstances and, and how he had joy in those circumstances. And that, and that came because he was not focused on himself, but he was focused on the mission of God. As we look at Paul's responses to just the tragic things that are going on here, the, the, the being in prison and the shipwrecks and the, the stranded islands, we see his response to those circumstances and are encouraged. When he's on the ship in the middle of the storm, he calls everyone to put their faith in God. He encourages them and, and makes sure that they have something to eat. And they listen to him. And when he's bitten by a viper, he doesn't die, but, and the locals want to worship him because he has survived this. He must be some sort of deity. He then heals the father of the leader of the island and spends three months teaching and healing and, and sharing the story of Jesus. He makes the most of those circumstances. In Rome, he's under house arrest, and, and this is what he does. Here are the final words of Acts. Acts 28 28. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught all about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without any hindrance. He's waiting to go before Caesar, and he can't go out and share the good news like he wants to. He's under house arrest, and so he's stuck in this place, and he can't do what he feels like he's called to do, but he takes advantage of the situation he's in. He makes the most of the situation. He makes the most of the circumstances, and he continues to receive people and testify about the good news of Jesus to whoever will listen. The first verses of Acts Tell us a recently resurrected Jesus who is teaching his disciples about the kingdom of God. And, and then Acts ends in very much the same way. In the last verses of Acts, Jesus' message has become his followers' message. That no matter what happened, they could not be distracted from their mission. The resurrected Jesus. The resurrection power that comes from that. Too often, I want to focus on myself, right? I want to focus on my needs, focus on what I want. It's all about me. I use excuses to put off the mission of God. I use excuses to put off what he's calling me to do. When I get to that place, when I arrive here, when I reach this goal, when I realize this dream, when I learn this much, when I have this, then I will use what I have, and then I will use that moment for the glory of God. But remember what we said last week. Last week we talked about how the journey that we're on as disciples of Jesus, the journey is not just about the destination. The journey is about who we are along the way. What are we doing along the way? Our circumstances are not the point of the lives that we're in. The circumstances don't define us. The circumstances don't limit us. They're not the point. God is the point. The second thing that we see is that the glory of God is revealed through the transforming of our circumstances 
as well as us transcending our circumstances. Okay, long sentence there. God, he transforms our circumstances, right? He does miracles to change the situations that we're in. He heals, he delivers, he restores. Jesus does miracles, right? And so through God, he can transform the circumstances that we're in. That's why we pray for healing. That's for, why we pray for change. But he doesn't always transform those circumstances. Because God can also be glorified through the transcending of our circumstances. Us rising above the situation we're in. Us rising above that illness. Us rising above that crisis. Rising above those things through the power of God, through the power of the Spirit in us. God is glorified through the transcending of those circumstances as well. There are times in Paul's journey that God does some pretty miraculous things, right? He frees him from prison. He protects him from the venom of the viper. He does miraculous things through Paul. But God certainly, ha- he, he certainly has the power to deliver those things. But he doesn't spare Paul from the hurricane, right? He still goes through the hurricane. He's still in prison. He's still beaten. He's still bitten by the viper. He isn't, all of those circumstances are not transformed. There's a lot that Paul endures that God does not miraculously transform. There are miracles in the story, but, but they rarely involve taking Paul out of the circumstances that he's in. But Paul makes the most of these, right? He takes advantage of the situations that he, he's in. He takes advantage of the circumstances, and he transcends those circumstances, He is God's person right in the middle of those circumstances. And so when Paul left port to head to Rome, he probably had no idea how long this journey would be. He had no idea that he would be planting a church on the island of Malta. But when he is stranded there for three months, he made the most of the situation he had. And he shared the good news of Jesus and started a church there. Sometimes the glory of God is revealed in miraculous ways and transformation of our circumstances, but in other times, he is glorified by us overcoming our circumstances and how we respond in the midst of our circumstances. Third thing, the lessons that we learn from Paul that, that we can apply to ourselves, make a splash where you are and let God take care of the ripple effects. Paul just jumps in, right? Whenever he gets into a situation, he just jumps in. And he doesn't really care what the consequences are. He doesn't really care what the results are going to be. He doesn't care about where it's going to go. He's just going to jump in and be faithful to what God is calling him to do in that moment. We just need to jump in. We don't need to worry about how the plans play out. We don't need to worry about the results and the processes. We never know what finally happened to Paul whenever he stood before Caesar. Our journey is not about that destination. Our journey is about who we are along the way. And so it's not about the end results. It's not about us worrying about the ripple effects of how we jump in, but we jump in and are faithful regardless. The way Acts ends really reinforces that. 
It wasn't so much the destination of the trip that the story is about. It's not about the destination of Paul getting to Rome. It's about who, Rome is, who Paul is on the way to Rome. What does he do along the way? What does he do when things don't go as planned? What does he do when the circumstances are not good? Wherever Paul was, he made a, a splash. He made a difference. And we are still feeling the ripple effects of what Paul was working on even today. You know, it's interesting to compare who these two characters are in Rome. Paul shows up to Rome, and in his last days, the Caesar of, of the day was Nero. And so in the, sec- in the seventh decade of the first century, Paul and Nero are both living in the same city, and you couldn't find two men that were different, more opposites in conditions. Nero was Caesar, Paul was prisoner, Nero was the hero, Paul was nothing. Nero's name made headlines every day, Paul's didn't. Nero was an attractive, good-looking guy, it was said. But Paul was most likely a stooped-shouldered old man, beaten, body full of scars from being whipped, from being stoned, from three different shipwrecks. He's not in good condition, right? And so Nero was married to a woman who was a blonde beauty who bathed in donkey's milk. She liked having smooth skin. Nero liked smooth skin. And so she would be moisturized with crocodile mucus. It's great stuff. It's good for the skin, apparently. And so Nero liked this, this soft skin. Maybe, maybe we need to try it out. I don't know. Who's got a crocodile handy? I'll start it, okay. Paul's the single man. These are two very different people living very different lives. And if you asked anyone in Rome who was going to have a lasting impact on the world, what would the answer be? Nero, right? He's the one who will have a lasting impact on the world. But at the age of 25, Nero, he just kind of falls apart. At 29, he starts to become lonely and paranoid. And he has his second wife killed. And the story only gets worse. Eventually, some years after Paul's death, Nero commits suicide. And yet today, there are no cathedrals named Nero. People don't choose to name their kids Nero, right? Not that I know of. But people name their kids Paul. Paul has had this lasting impact None of what Nero wrote is still read, but have we read anything by Paul today? Paul has had this lasting impact. Paul did with his life, he sowed the seeds for a movement that has not stopped growing for the last 2,000 years. And so the circumstances that we find ourselves in The detours, the twists, the turns, they aren't nearly as limiting to what God wants to do through us as we make them out to be. Because God can overcome so much. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, God can do more. That we we make it out to be the worst thing ever, but we have a God who is all-powerful. We have the Spirit in us that is guiding us and empowering us, and we can get through any of those circumstances. 
regardless of how bad they are. We would like to have a story that doesn't have any difficult chapters, right? Where things are just smooth sailing. But here are the, letters, here are the words of encouragement from Paul at the end of Ephesians. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body, there's one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. It's not about you. It's about the mission of God. And he will be glorified through the transforming of our circumstances, but he will also be glorified by the transcending of our circumstances. And so we make the most of our circumstances. We make the most of the situations that we're in, and we let God take care of the results. Let's be standing. We come here today in a variety of situations and a variety of, of circumstances. Some of us are, are here and, and ready to celebrate. Others of us are hurting, and we're distracted, and we're discouraged. God wants to be glorified through either of those situations. And so we, we come to him today and we, we celebrate his great power, even in the midst of the junk that we're in, even in the midst of the hurt that we're in. We celebrate a God who is above all of that and over all of that, and he is in all of that. And we gather together as a family and we try to find ways to encourage one another we try to find ways to lift one another up, and, and a great way to do that is through prayer, is to just pray with one another. And so we want to use this prayer time every week for us to, to pray with each other. This is a, a spot where you can come down front and pray with one of the shepherds. You can pray with each other, find somebody in your small group and say, hey, I, just, I need some encouragement right now. Will you pray for me? We're all ordained to do that. We are a priesthood of believers. We all have the authority to bring each other's needs to the throne room of God. And so we can do that for one another. So I want to encourage you to, to step out in the aisles, go to the back, come to the front, and pray. Pray that God will transform the circumstances, but they, that we will have the strength and the courage and the commitment to transcend those circumstances as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for Paul, who is just such a challenge and an encouragement at the same time. One who has a life, a race that he has run that is, is one we want to imitate as much as possible. God, give us the courage and the confidence to be, a, to be a Paul in this world around us, to be able to make the most of the circumstances, to, to testify to your love and to, your, to the, the greatness of your Son. God, I pray that we are able to do that in our day-to-day -day lives. 
Help us with that. God, we bring our circumstances to your feet. and We say, transform these circumstances. And God, give us the courage to work through those circumstances as well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.